This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 8th of October 2021. And Norman, the milestones are dropping like flies, at least in New South Wales, where they've passed the 70% double dose mark, 80% isn't far behind. And the new Premier in New South Wales uh, over the last couple of days has announced some changes to the reopening plan. They're kind of little tweaks, but we were wondering what it's going to mean for things like cases and hospitalisations and whatnot. Exactly. And as such, we've decided to bring in a very special guest to Friday CoronaCast. And we will, just for, so that you just be tantalised, we will actually subject him to Quickfire Friday later on. Casey Briggs, our data guru. Hello, Dr. Swan. Hello, Dr. Taylor. I don't know what I am got myself in for. <laughs> it's quite a lot. What's your official title, Casey? I never know that. My official title? I think my official title on my uh, email signature is data analyst at the ABC. Uh, but you can call me whatever you like. <laughs> well, Professor Briggs. Whenever I hear the word analyst, I always assume that someone is a spy. I mean, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> well, let's just do a, a catch up now on New South Wales. Where are we at? So the situation in in New South Wales is we're seeing gradual and, in fact, relatively, you know, um, uh, improvement at a a bit of a clip now. The the seven-day average of new cases is down to 680. Uh, It was more than 900 a week ago. So we're seeing that average come down by about 250 in a week. And, you know, we have no real reason to think that that won't continue for at least the next week uh, until we see, you know, the rules start to change on Monday in New South Wales give it a bit of time and, you know, end of next week, we'll get a clearer idea of what impact that has on transmission rates, uh, you know, the speed of transmission and the ability of this virus to spread uh, between people. So we've got another week, I think, of improvement. That seven-day average should then hopefully come under 500. And then we're in uncharted waters because we're in this uh, situation where the rules will start to ease. The national strategy is, um, and the Doherty Institute modelling and, and, and the experts behind that have recommended we continue strong suppression throughout. And so we're doing this kind of delicate dance in New South Wales of, you know, what can you lift without causing transmission rates to take off to such a point that you have a problem again, particularly with your hospital system, uh, with your seriously ill people and the number of people dying. And so, you know, the, the, the strategy as laid out had been you, you, you step toward those freedoms bit by bit. Obviously, yesterday, the new Premier, Dominic Perrottet, has made some changes, some tweaks to that plan. Uh, we'll never know if this plan is, you know, how, how different this plan is to the old plan uh, because we won't get to run both of those, you know, I- experiments in real time. But we are kind of in uncharted waters. It's not a fait accompli, I don't think, that, that cases will start to spike you know, immediately next week, there's still, you know, the, the, the restrictions that are raising are relatively small. They're only for vaccinated, fully vaccinated people. There will be a lot of people who are either unvaccinated fully or yet to get their second dose who can't take advantage of this. Uh, so it's not a guaranteed thing that the cases will start to increase next week, but it will certainly be a very interesting experiment to watch. What are your predictions or what, what are the experts that you're talking to indicating to you? Yeah, I hate making predictions, Tegan. The the modelling, <laughs> I think the, the reason I say we're in uncharted waters is the modelling is really uncertain. The modelling that, that's got us, that's got New South Wales to this point in terms of it planning for the hospital, the health system's uh, peak capacity, well, that was from the Burnett Institute. Uh, it was commissioned by the government, but the actual case curve and the actual hospitalisation curve has come in well below that expectation. That, that may be one of the reasons the government was a bit happier to ease off a bit more um, next week because, you know, the hospitalisation figures are not 
not as bad as they thought they would be. There are other, you know, other modelers out there who think that things will will get worse, uh, you know, quite quickly. So I think there's, there is a lot of uncertainty about what we're doing. The overseas experience, you know, there aren't many countries that are trying to do what Australia's doing, trying to transition from this zero environment to, you know, some way of, of coexisting but keeping case numbers as low as possible but still trying to kind of go about our lives. You know, it's a pretty unique situation. Uh, and the New South Wales plan, the Victorian plan, the Australian plans, they're all pretty cautious and conservative compared to the entire world, really. Uh, you have to say Australia's plans are among the most conservative in the in the globe. And what about velocity of, vac- before we get to Victoria, what about velocity of vaccination? Because this delay of five or six days from 70% means we're not that far off 80% when they're doing this opening up. Yeah, so we'll probably see come Monday next week, the double dose rate of the 16 plus population will be in the mid 70s. We're only two weeks away from getting to 80 uh, percent. So the, the rule changes associated with 80% will probably take place two weeks after the 70% changes. Uh, and so we're, and we're still we're still seeing the, the second dose numbers are, are kind of catching up at the speed at which we saw that massive surge of first doses only a month uh, or two ago. So we're still seeing really rapid growth there. It's when it's when the numbers get above 80 that they'll start to slow down on the double dose numbers. Uh, and, you know, then we're sort of you know, the, the goal is to get as many people vaccinated as possible, especially the most vulnerable and especially as many adults as possible while we still can't vaccinate people under 12. And the 12 year, 12 to 15 year olds, they'll also get their second doses. You know, more than half of them are already uh, vaccinated with the first dose in New South Wales. They'll all get their second doses within the next month or so. So we'll have really healthy coverage there. So, you know, we're moving from 70% to 80% and beyond very quickly uh, within two, three weeks. It's then when we, you know, get to where we are now on first doses, which is approaching 90%. That's really the point at which this will become a bit more of a struggle to get those vaccination numbers high. Yeah, we've talked a lot about trying to predict peaks in the case numbers, but now we're really trying to predict where the peak is going to be in terms of vaccination coverage. Yeah, I mean, 100 would be great, wouldn't it? Um, But we are vaccinating very quickly. Supply is increasingly becoming less and less of an issue in Australia. I think there are still pockets of the country where access is a problem. We've seen the vaccination rates uh, in the top end in remote communities has really stalled in the last couple of weeks. We've seen outback areas, particularly in Western Australia and Queensland, struggling. And I don't think that that's because there aren't doses available, but, you know, there aren't mass clinics there. The GPs are fewer per head. You know, it's just harder to get uh, those doses. And there's probably you know, a little less urgency and a little bit more um, hesitancy in some of those areas as well. So what's happening in Victoria? Well, in Victoria, well, we're sort of waiting, right? The the, 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 cur- the case numbers are still growing. The, the growing looks like it's slowing, but I've been saying that for a little while because we're waiting to see the same thing happen in New South Wales that we saw, uh, you know, back at the start of in the, in the, in the first couple of weeks of September. We want to see vaccines help bend this curve and we want to see it happen soon because at this point, Victoria's schedule is to exit lockdown or start to exit lockdown, um, you know, on about the 26th of October. That's not that far away. And, and interestingly, the, the, uh, and I covered this the other night on 7.30, is that on September 11th, when New South Wales peaked, their immunisation rates were actually a bit lower than Victoria's uh, were the other day when it reached over 1,700 cases. That's true. I want to point you to some specific parts of that vaccination data, though, because I think one of the problems we've got in Victoria, one of the reasons it's taken longer than you might have thought, uh, if you were just looking at the statewide figures, is um, 
the vaccines have probably not been distributed in the most optimal way to bring these numbers down as quickly as possible. Uh, when you looked look at the vaccination rates of the hotspot areas, and I want to compare, let's compare Western Sydney's vaccination rates on the 12th of September, so about the time uh, that, uh, that, that the peak was there. Um, I'll take you to Bankstown, where 81.1% of the uh, 15 plus population had a first dose, 44% fully vaccinated. In Blacktown, 86% and 46.7% fully vaccinated. Blacktown North, you had 60.7% fully vaccinated. Campbelltown, you had 47.7% fully vaccinated. That's of the 15 plus population. So you had numbers in the mid 40s, even higher in some areas. Right now, the latest figures we've got out of the northern suburbs of Melbourne and some of these hotspot areas, I'll just pick three examples, but Brimbank, 43.2% fully vaccinated, 42.9% in Derribin North, 53.4% in Derribin South. What we're looking at is, on average, vaccination rates that are still a bit lower than they were in the hotspot areas than what we saw in New South Wales at the peak. So we have, um, they are catching up, but they, you know, have taken some time to catch up and those second doses need to follow first doses and the first doses are catching up as well. But uh, what we're seeing there is perhaps part of the reason the stability in those hotspot areas has been hard to find. Those parts of Melbourne have been below average in the in the vaccination coverage when you look at Greater Melbourne. So that's part of the problem, I think. We, we might start to see that soon, certainly in the city of Hume, where most of the cases have been. It looks like we're starting to see a bit of stability appear. It's not quite yet a trend that's turned around yet, but it's getting a bit more stable than it was, you know, even a week ago. Um, hopefully we're getting there soon, I hope. And the good news is that hospitalisation rates have been, and ICU rates and indeed death rates have been slashed. I mean, they're, they're tiny compared to a month ago. They are. I think, you know, the, one of the benefits that Victoria has had in this wave hitting just, a, you know, a few weeks later than New, the New South Wales one is even though there are pockets and areas and essential workers are not as vaccinated as you might like, um, there are more older and more vulnerable people who have had the time to get their second dose. And so they're more protected than people in New South Wales were when, and people in Sydney and Western Sydney were, when this, this outbreak broke out there in July, you know, that's, I think, helped to cut the seriously ill and the people that are dying. The unfortunate thing is those numbers are still growing in Victoria. Uh, we're still seeing some pretty steep growth in the number of people being treated in hospital. We're still seeing growth in the number of people dying. And we know the Victorian health system went through a lot last year. Um, staff are tired. Uh, the, the, there are real kind of capacity concerns around, you know, there, there's just a backlog of, you know, health procedures and surgeries and things that couldn't get done last year that have been being, you know, got the, the, that backlog's been worked through this year. And it means that the, the hospital system after two years of this pandemic is, you know, stretched. And so that does remain a concern. Victorian authorities have, you know, spoken openly about how concerned they are uh, about um, the pressure on the health system. So we're not yet past the worst of it, but it is a lot better than it could have been if this outbreak had happened earlier. We should briefly talk about the ACT as well because they're dealing with their own outbreak. There's a pretty high vaccination rate there, but the case numbers, they're not big compared to what we're seeing in the big populous states, but they haven't come down. No, and in fact, they're starting to grow, in fact. Um, we had this, this, you know, the ACT had an epidemic case curve that looked nothing like what you would expect to see in, in many parts, you know, the standard that you see of exponential growth. It, it was just sitting flat for weeks and weeks and weeks. Unfortunately, it's now started to, it's found some pockets of uh, people that it's obviously been able to spread through and we're seeing numbers climbing from the teens that it had been in now to the 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s. But as you say, vaccination rates are phenomenal 
in the ACT. I want to caution some of the numbers around vaccinations in the ACT, I think, are a bit rubbery because um, the population estimates in the small territories, I think, are a bit rough. They're based on, you know, based largely on census five years ago, plus some, you know, uh, you know, alterations that have been made since then. So I think there, there's a, a few issues there. But among people over 40, I think it is, people over 40, we have, you know, first dose vaccination rates over 95% in all age groups. Uh, that is phenomenal. That is doing a lot to prevent serious illness, to prevent death. We, there have been, you know, relatively few deaths in the ACT through this wave. So your argument is it'd be a heck of a lot worse if we didn't have that vaccination level? Yeah, basically. Um, the, the, you know, we're at, in fact, in the, among, among some age groups in the ACT, you're at more than 95% double-dosed already. They've been at that level for so long. There is not a single age group in the ACT that can get vaccinated that has a vaccination level below 70% right now. 12 to 15-year-olds, 77% in the ACT. The lowest group is the 20 to 24-year-old age group. You're looking at 73 74% of, the, of, that, of that age group having had a first dose. It is phenomenally high there. There's a real sense of immediacy in the states where there are outbreaks, but what about the states where we're just sitting pretty, like I'm in Queensland? It, it's, it seems really safe out there at the moment, but our vaccination rates really seem to be lagging. I think, look, they, they've been lagging for a while for lots of reasons, you know, the urgency, the fact that doses did go to outbreak states because you know, there was a real clear imperative to try and, you know, stop people dying and stop people getting seriously ill. Um, but now that supply is less of an issue, it would be nice to see the numbers pick up in some of those states. They are, you know, they are slowly picking up. The general trend line is in the is in the right direction. Um, but, you know, these states are, and, and most of these states are getting close to 70% on first doses. They're getting toward phase B or beyond. They should all get to 80% on first doses in November, the only exception maybe being the Northern Territory. So the progress is happening there. We should see by Christmas every state, maybe bar VNT, being at 80% double dosed. And that will give us a lot more confidence, I think, um, in Australia that, you know, even if there are outbreaks in those states, even if they haven't decided to open up uh, more broadly and, and kind of actively allow the virus in, um, if you do have an incursion at 80% of the 16 plus population vaccinated, uh, the consequences will hopefully be not too bad uh, and you will be able to manage it. So quick fire Friday, Casey, what's your most embarrassing moment in front of the screen? I, I about a month ago, I burped on live TV. <laughs> You Accidentally. Kidding. Oh, at least you didn't fart. <laughs> no. <laughs> was it a dry burp? It was a dry one. It was a. It was a. It was a. It was a very respectable, quiet, under the breath. I don't think anyone noticed it. I'm probably outing myself right now. Uh, but that one was a. That one was a doozy. What's your favorite graph type? My favorite graph type. I love all my graphs equally. Sure. You don't like pie charts. We know you don't. No one likes pie charts. My favourite graph type. That's not a question I've ever had to think about. We ask the tough questions on Coronacast. Yeah, you do. I mean, I always like to combine graph types in, in, in one. I do line charts and bar charts and all sorts of things on one set of axes. I'm a bit chaotic like that. Gosh, <laughs> you, just, you just live on the edge, Casey. You live on the edge. Thanks for coming on to Coronacast. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's show and for this week. Send your questions to abc.net.au slash coronacast and we'll be back, sounds Casey, on Monday. See you then. <laughs> 